Hello, hello. Hey. What's going on, Emilia? Hey, what's up? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the official MD Podcast, episode nine. Um, part of my mission statement to start the podcast is definitely, um, of course, highlight indie hip hop artists because I'm definitely familiar with the grind. But the other mission statement is that I want to give a platform to um, social workers, mental health workers, and mental health um, <clears throat> practitioners that are constantly serving the community. And I feel like their voices need to be heard, especially in 2020, just to get your perspective. Um, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Is 2020 treating you guys good? You guys healthy? <laughs> We're hanging in there. Hanging in there, Amelia? <laughs> yeah. Good. Thanks yeah. for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. So I, I always ask my guests, the, the, the very first question I always ask them is, um, how did you guys end up in San Diego? I always ask my guests, how did they end up at the place where they grew up at or where they were raised or born? You know what I mean? Um, just a little background in your families. Okay. Um, so I was actually born and raised here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents are originally from Mexico. My dad's from Tijuana. Mm-hmm. And my mom is from Guadalajara, Jalisco, in central Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up here, um, you know, San Diego. And I actually went away for to L.A. for college, mm-hmm. which was very difficult for my family. Um, because in our culture, it's just not customary for young ladies to leave the home before they're married. Right. So it was a little bit of a struggle, but, you know once other people um you know kind of talked to my parents about like the prestige of of, you know having a a child go to college then i think they lessened up a little bit they were very supportive of course um and then once i graduated I, i had actually promised my mom that i would come back to san diego so i came back to san diego la is fun i love it my friends are there but um it was weird for me like it's such a big city and you're surrounded by so many people and yet you feel so so isolated um there so it's a strange kind of feeling mm-hmm. there um a lot of people very much are about like the appearance the look you know um so you don't always know whether people are being genuine or i mean you can sense it that when people are not being genuine so um you kind of have to go outside of west l.a uh, where my college was mm-hmm. to get like you know the different vibe to get the genuine LA um, but you know I still wanted to come back home I had promised my mom that I would come home help her pay off the mortgage and so that's what I've been doing good daughter um, mm-hmm. what college did you go to in LA uh, UCLA nice hell yeah congrats thank you um, What's what was your major um, I actually went in as undeclared. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a sociology major. I've always been someone who observes um, people and behavior a lot. I'm very much curious as to why people do what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it was a heavily impacted major. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really hard to to um, get into the classes. So I ended up switching to Chicana, Chicano studies mm-hmm. and Spanish. Um Spanish literature and the reason being that I kind of freaked out a little bit because I noticed that 
I guess I wasn't speaking Spanish as often at UCLA. It was mostly mm-hmm. English. So when I would come home, I spoke a lot more Spanglish. Mm-hmm. And I had a hard time finding the right words in Spanish. And I kind of got scared. And I said, you know what? Let me take some Spanish classes and see if I can, you know, to keep practicing. And then I realized like, oh, you know, I can speak Spanish, but I don't actually know how to write it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the writing style is very different in Spanish than it is in English. And I didn't know that until I started taking the classes. So, you know, I didn't know the rules for accents and all that. So um, I loved it so much that I ended up declaring it one of my majors. And nice. then for Chicano <laughs> studies, I wanted to know my history of Mexican people here in the United States because oftentimes, especially along the border, you're made to feel like an outsider mm-hmm. because, you know, your parents migrated. But it's like our ancestors have always migrated on this continent. So it's it's part of our <laughs> culture, it's part of our history, who we are. And, you know, I wanted to know that history. We're not really taught that um, in school, um, at least in, you know, high school in the lower level. So um, once I started taking Chicago Studies classes, I loved it as well. I love the social justice aspect of it as well. Um, you know, how hard our community fights to to better um, themselves and, and to help each other out and to improve their communities um, because they are part of the more marginalized communities here in San Diego. So um, it, it, you know, both basically went hand in hand with what I kind of wanted to do at that time, which was social justice, working for the community, helping everybody out like people had helped me out so that I could get to college. I wanted to give back as well. So did you go to um, did you go to UCLA right after high school? I did. And I struggled. <clears throat> I struggled my first year. I was on academic probation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost dropped out. Keep it real. Keep it real. Keep it real. You know, you have that imposter syndrome. Oh, and did, so, like, did, I felt it. You felt, felt like you had for, that freshman year? Yeah, for sure. And then it was kind of too, like, no one really taught me how to study. Like, I, I got into UCLA, you know, because I obviously had good grades. I was a student that would procrastinate, wait till the last minute, do it all. So I could do all these things, but no one actually ever taught me how to study. And, you know, with these classes, you're in courses with really other brilliant people. And there's a lot of information coming in at once. Um, The UCLA system was not the semester system. They do the quarter system. Mm -hmm. So you attend school for three quarters for 10 weeks basically. So by like week three, week four, you're already doing midterms. Mm-hmm. Week six, seven, you're doing midterms again. Week nine and 10, it's finals week. So you go through a lot of information really fast. So you have to keep up with the readings and all that. And then of course, I didn't have the practice, the study skills, the discipline. So it you know, it was a little bit of a growing pain for, for that first year. But after that, I took a class on how to study, how to manage my time. Um, and I finally started to actually apply those study skills and I started to do great in all my classes. Yay, good job. So, yeah. Um, so Emilia, I know that, you know, you went to uh, UCLA and did you do you feel like subconsciously, and by the way, first of all, I want to say thank you for being vulnerable because, you know, I feel like from social worker to, to another social worker, 
I really wanted to provide a platform to, for people to see, for them to see how our minds work, you know? Because right. it's not an easy job or an easy task. So no. I really appreciate you being honest because I think one of the first things in, in self-care and boundaries is we got to be honest with ourselves, right? And being a graduate from UCLA, do you feel like subconsciously you had to move back to San Diego to give back to your community? Like you think that was always in your heart, like, you know what? I'm going to use my education to give back to the hood and give back to the community. That was always my original intent, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. I could have stayed in L.A. as well. Mm -hmm. I've made wonderful networks there um, in my undergraduate coursework. I was part of an organization called Conciencia Libre, mm -hmm. where we would actively um, create activities on campus to bring awareness to social movements in Latin America that again that history that isn't taught um so we were very much involved in the community uh we worked with a nonprofit called idepska that had they basically created day labor centers so that day laborers could be at a location and not get ticketed for loitering um and at those centers we would go on the weekends and we would teach esl classes we would teach workers about their rights um so you know like there was a lot of organizations that we ended up working with um well you know the four years that i was there so there was definitely a network of of you know community orgs and when you say like you know giving back to the community i could have stayed there for sure and and have done that but I definitely wanted to come back, um, help my own community, and then, of course, my family as well. Right. So what part of San Diego did you grow up at? Like, you know, the, the teenage years or the, the adolescent years? What, what uh -huh. SD? So when I was a little girl, I grew up in Barrio Logan. Nice. And then we moved to Golden Hill. The hood, hood. Towards, oh, yeah, nice. well... Actually, let me rephrase that. We moved to Inglewood. Inglewood. <laughs> moved to Inglewood in LA. How old, were you? How old were you when you went to Inglewood? I was like six or seven. Okay. So you and I remember it being culture shock because mm -hmm. it was mostly African American children and I only spoke Spanish. Mm -hmm. So there was one other Chicano student in the class. Mm -hmm. um, I think his name was Caesar. And he was my translator. The whole, like every single day, he was my translator. So I actually learned a lot of English that year. Mm -hmm. um, then the following year, we went back to um, we went back to San Diego. This was right before the riots happened. Um, at that time, my brother had gotten there was an epidemic for measles. There was a measles outbreak, and my brother had gotten really sick. And my mom was just like overwhelmed. So we came back to San Diego, and we moved to the Golden Hill area. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, for a while, too, we moved to um, Mid-City or City Heights, as it's known now. And then we moved back to Golden Hill. And then my mom ended up being able to purchase a house in Barrio Logan. Because, I mean, she's a single mom, you know, and the only place that she could afford really to purchase a home at the time was in Barrio Logan. At that time, it, this was the um, late uh, 90s. Nobody wanted to live in Barrio Logan. There was a lot of gang activity. Um, the mafia was involved. So everybody was scared of 
of coming into Barrio Logan. So it was the only community we could afford a home. So we, I mean, we gentrification was happening in Golden Hills. We couldn't afford to stay there anymore. So like the timing was perfect that she was, you know, luckily um, able to to afford a house and that we're still paying off right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Matt props to your parents for working hard, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, my mom. It was all my mom. <laughs> <laughs> props to mama. Yeah. Props to mama. Um, okay, so you moved back to San Diego what year from, from UCLA? What year did you move back out here? Um, it was in, let me guess, it's been a while, 2006, 2007, I think. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So, ladies and gents, I just want to give a backstory. So, um, I met um, through my friend Francisco, and my friend Francisco had a had a graduation party, and he became a doctor. He went to Berkeley, you know, and um, that's how I met you. You know what I'm saying? Um, you remember that? I do. Um, <laughs> right. And Francisco and I are actually friends from UCLA. Nice, nice. So it's all connected. And um, me and Francisco mm-hmm. used to work for the same company that works with kids with autism. So I, we've been in touch ever since. And like, I knew that you were working with the youth because that was our last conversation when I last saw you. And this had to be what, two years mm-hmm. ago? Two, right. two years ago, maybe. Um, right. So I was looking at your resume and it said that you got your teaching credentials at San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Wow. So when you moved back here, you still went back to school. I did. So the first thing, though, I wanted to see if teaching was for me. Right. So I actually went in to work for the district right. as a paraeducator or like a special education assistant. And I was also a translator um, unofficially um, for for meetings and things like that at the school. But I loved it. I learned so much. And then I found out about a program at state called ALAS where they can help you get your bilingual multiple subject credential which is for elementary and middle school and then they could also help you get your special education uh, credential they basically wanted to prepare teachers to be special education teachers who are bilingual um, because you know a lot of children in our community are uh place in in special ed at times and Mm -hmm. it's a big kind of cultural stigma Mm -hmm. you know so you have to kind of explain the findings and and the information and what the you know the struggles that the children are going through you have to be able to explain it in a kind and like gentle manner almost like um and i think like sometimes there are cultural differences that they don't translate easily and so you have to have that cultural awareness i think um you know when you're you're letting parents know like hey your child is struggling and and this is why he's struggling and this is what we're proposing you know to help and then of course making sure that the parents are involved in in that process because oftentimes there are parents who basically get bullied into just just sign here you know we're just gonna do this so i think that was the goal of this program was to prepare teachers that are culturally sensitive but um are also very much 
uh, prepared both in the special ed world and the uh, bilingual world so they can go out there then and empower families and, and work together basically with their, with their communities. So I did that um, and I student taught and I was a substitute teacher, but then at the time that I graduated, there was budget cuts. Right, right. So a lot of, it was hard to kind of get into the district and I wanted to start working right away. Um, my mom at the time too had a shop, so I went and worked for her, helping her manage the shop. And then I ended up getting a job at a bookstore. So I was like, okay, nice. this is just going to be a summer job. Right, um, right, right. <laughs> right, like it's just going to be a summer job. Honestly, that I was a lit major, you know, that I love reading, and I was promoted um, into the book buyer position. Uh, was retiring, so she recommended me for the book buyer position, which I was like, oh my gosh, that is such a dream, you know. So um, my first job, I don't think that I mentioned to you, my first job was at UCLA and I worked in the library and I love that job. So yeah, my other fun. passion is books. <laughs> for sure. You love books? I do love books. What's the um, top three books you're, you would, would, what's the top three books you've read this whole pandemic past six months, seven months? Oh, I've read a lot. Actually, I'm in a book club. So what's the name of the book club? Book. We don't actually have a name for it. We just call it the book club. <laughs> um, so, what was the, what's the top three recommendations for for people listening ooh, who, lo- who love books? See. Okay, one of my absolute <clears throat> favorite short, but called by Julio. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It talks about of the U.S. right. Camps. So, mm. um, and it's really interesting because it's written in the third person. Mm-hmm. So it's always we, we came over, we got married. So it's really interesting to read it in that way. That mm-hmm. was, uh, I mean, I couldn't put the book down. It was, it was just absolutely fascinating. Um, the other one I read recently too. Is uh, uh, that I really like go in um, and this one talked about the Korean uh, South, well, South Korean experience, I guess, Korean in general. This is before the Korean War. Um, the Korean experience, um, them basically being colonized by Japan and then families living in Japan and how they were treated there um, and how to this day, I believe they're not allowed to have Japanese citizenship, um, mm-hmm. even though they may have been third generation born there. So um, it's really fascinating because it just gives you like, you know, another perspective. Um, and then let me see what's another good one. We've read a lot. Um, I think Just Mercy was mm-hmm. another really good one eye-opening one and i mean these all deal with really difficult um subjects but i mean i i love mm-hmm. learning about that um i feel like we need to share those stories maybe like a somewhat fun one is that was inspiring <laughs> was uh born to run 
going to run by Christopher McDougall. Um, it's a guy who's a runner. He gets an injury, goes to see a doctor, and basically he's he's a reporter, and he starts to investigate like why do runners get so many injuries? And he starts kind of interviewing experts in running. He starts interviewing ultra marathon runners, and then he finds out about a tribe in northern Mexico that are runners, the Taromara, and how they basically run with just these thin little sandals and they can go for miles and miles and not get tired at all. So he basically goes down to Mexico and learns about um, this group of people and and how they live and what they do. And this started the whole like drinking chia running barefoot like all those movements and running that were from like eight years seven years ago it was this book i think that that kind of started that trend mm-hmm. so emilia so you got your credentials you had you definitely had experience in like special ed and being a peer educator right right um and you know you, i know you said there was budget cuts around that year that was, was 09, huh? When Obama first got in? Was that right. when Yeah, it was right in? after the, the crisis, right? In 08. <laughs> cool. So, so from there, you you definitely had experience to be a teacher. You got your credentials. What led you or what introduced you to Axis? So How I did stayed, you find this opportunity? Uh-huh. So I stayed at the bookstore, basically, is what happened. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm gonna I still have time to go and clear my credentials. Um then my grandmother got sick and we were taking care of her so i would stay with her during the daytime and my bookstore job allowed me to work evenings and so that was the nice thing about that that my my schedule was flexible so that i could take care of my grandma during the day and then in the evenings when my mom and my aunt would come they would take care of her and then i could go off to work if i had Mm -hmm. been teaching i wouldn't have been able to do that and one of them probably would have had to quit their job or we had to maybe get a home health care um, assistant or something like that. So um, then the bookstore was going to close because Seaport Village, the, the bookstore was um, in Seaport Village. It was a bookstore coffee house. And like, I guess Seaport Village lost the lease and new um, tenant or someone was going to take over the lease and they wanted to change the whole look of Seaport and we basically kept it was all up in the air we didn't know when it was going to close but we knew it was going to close because a lot of shops were closing so um, I basically didn't want to wait till the very end I was like you know I have bills to pay I have student loans to pay I you know have to help out at home with the mortgage so um, a friend of mine applied for access to become a case manager and she said that they were looking for additional case managers and she referred me so I, I applied and what year was this in 2016 all right, so for all those who are listening right now, Emilia, can we please break down what is access and what kind of services you give being the uh, lead lead case manager? Yeah, so um, I'm one of the lead case managers. So we, access is, is a huge, um, uh, it's not huge, but it is a big uh, nonprofit. 
keep it real we have have a variety of programs right so like we have a micro enterprise program for people in the city of san diego who are adults want to start their own small business apply to the micro enterprise program because they will basically get you set up they will give you advice they'll tell you where to go and get your permits how to register your business they provide you with tax um you know tax preparer information for your business they even get they have a partnership with usd where the business students come the marketing students come and and they mentor some of the applicants um through to see their business grow so they have a variety of programs um and they actually have one for youth right now who want to start their own small business that is currently going on i think it's in its fourth week right and they'll be providing the youth at the end with seed money so they can start their business um so that's micro enterprise we have the vawa program which is the violence against women act so we have a lawyer who's there and she helps um victims of human trafficking and domestic violence with their cases pro bono Mm -hmm. um the other program we have is the weoa youth program which is a program that i work for so we have mm -hmm. can mm -hmm. you break down the acronyms like uh the right so weoa stands for workforce no it's okay i know nobody knows what weoa is (laughs) i'm so used to saying it all the time Ladies and um, gentlemen, it's not Wu Tang, all right? It's not Wu Tang. <laughs> it's it's Wu Tang. Right. Can you break Wiowa. that down? Uh, or people call it the yeah. Especially yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for people in San Diego that are tuning in right now, I feel like this is really good information, and I would I hope that when this episode comes out, uh, we can all share the info. But go ahead, I'm sorry about that. Let's break it down. No, it's okay. So Wioa or W I O A is a federal program. It stands for Workforce Innovations Opportunities Act. It's actually a pretty old program. It's been around for a long, for many decades. But it gets, re- re-authored. Mm-hmm. It gets re-authored every so often. And um, I think Obama did the last reauthorization, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, this program targets youth who are between the ages of 16 to 24, mm-hmm. who are currently out of school. Mm -hmm. and do not have a high school diploma Mm -hmm. and are unemployed. So the reason why this age group or this population is targeted is because they have the highest unemployment rates. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure those numbers may change possibly right now with the pandemic, but traditionally they have had the highest unemployment rates. And this program basically tries to get them back into school and provide them career development so helping them basically plan like okay well what do you want to do do you want to go to college do you want to just have stable employment do you want to do an apprenticeship maybe like going to a trade Mm -hmm. do you want to join the military you know it really just depends on what they want do you want to start a small business depends on what they want to do and we we help them get back into school kind of come up with a plan as to what they're going to do once they graduate while they're in the program we're providing workshops to prepare Mm -hmm. them what we call work readiness right like how to dress for an interview how to prepare um to actually go into the interview and answer questions have your elevator pitch ready which is your little introduction when they say so tell me about yourself you already have something ready to say um you're not just sitting there thinking about well um you know i'm you have something ready so we try to prepare them with that we teach them about professionalism in the workplace how to deal with conflict in the workplace 
um, kind of knowing your rights in the workplace. We also do independent living skills courses or what I call adulting classes. So we teach them about, you know, their finances and how to manage their money, how to budget their money, how to read a paycheck because they don't always understand what net pay is or gross pay or what all those deductions are for. Shit, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even so, know the fuck. I mean, I'm sorry. Go ahead, I didn't know that until after college too, you know, so. What the fuck um, is the gross pay? My, my check is gross. <laughs> fuck y'all. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Uh-huh. So you, you got, you, so, you definitely so, educate them about that. Yeah. Right? We want to make sure that they are, you know, they're thinking about moving out or buying a car. Mm-hmm. You're, you're letting them know the ex- actual cost of owning a car or moving out you know it's not just your first month's rent and your deposit now they're doing credit checks they're doing background checks they want like your they want to see that you make three times what the rent is two or three times what the rent is um you know you're gonna have to maybe get a u-haul or pay someone to help you move your stuff you may need to buy things you know once you move into your place because apartments don't come furnished all the time so all those things, you know, we want to make sure that the youth are prepared. We have parenting classes for the ones who, who are parents. Um, so while, like I said, while they're in school meeting that goal, um, we're also offering these workshops, these courses for them to attend. Um, we also assist them with uh, work attire if they need like to get a uniform or if maybe they don't have interview clothing, we can provide that if they cannot afford it. If they need a bus pass for school to get to school or to go search for jobs and they can't afford it, we can provide that. We're basically trying to address those barriers that keep them from being able to find stable employment or keep a job. So um, while they're doing this as well, if they feel ready, like they're not overwhelmed, we will help them look for employment. Otherwise, we can help them look for employment once they graduate. Um, or if they want to do college or, you know, whatever it is that they want to do. We offer also a paid internship so that they can get work experience. Because a lot of times, one of the barriers to getting your first job is you need work experience. Right. But <laughs> how do you get work experience if you've never worked before? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we provide with them with a paid internship. And then we also work with the San Diego um, Workforce Partnership, mm-hmm. who's our local. Um, kind of Department of Labor here in San Diego. So they have internships as well that are paid and mentorships um, in the summer and in the winter. So we work with them too to get um, students placed in those internships. Um, but basically just kind of the case managers are like their little coach. You know, we're checking in with them um, at least once a month and trying to get them to participate in as many activities to help them get ready for the workforce or get them ready for their career, you know, whatever it is that they choose. So we have a lot of community partners that we work with um, that help us, you know, they refer clients to us and then we refer clients to them as well with if our youth, like maybe one of our youth is homeless and, you know, we don't provide housing, but maybe this program can provide housing for a foster youth. So we can, ref- you know, and our youth happens to be formerly foster youth. So we can refer them to that program. So we we work with a lot of community orgs to kind of um, be 
like a network for for these kids. So if, if they they have needs in other areas that we don't address, we will direct them to other organizations that that can help with that need. Dang, that's a, okay. So what what would you think is the best part? Like, what aspect do you like helping them out with? Like, what do you like really helping them out with to balance money, to find a job placement? Or what do you enjoy the most in, in working with the kids? What aspect? To be honest, for me, it's building up their self-esteem. Mm. A lot of these kids come from, I mean, every, every youth is different. You know, some have more support than others. But a lot of times, our youth come from really troubled homes. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. They don't have the support at home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't, they feel inadequate mm-hmm. with, you know, they don't have just that, that self-confidence in themselves or believe that they can do it. And mm-hmm. I love to see, you know, once we've been working for a few months and I start to list like, look, you did this, you did that, you did that, you accomplished all of this. Now you know how to do this. Now you have work experience. We're making their resume together, you know, and I'm helping them like, look, look at everything you've done. And they're just like, oh my God, I have accomplished a lot. And I'm like, yes, and you can do it. You can do it, you know? So it's just building them up, teaching them, guiding them. You're kind of like a mentor in a way. Oh um, yeah. So, you know, that for me is, is Feels good, the huh? favorite. Yeah, it does. What do you consider not the worst part but the toughest the roughest part of the job what do you dread you know uh, I'm gonna be real honest nah that's that's what the podcast is for girl I think we all hate it no I mean I don't mind it we all have to document right everything that we do but we just get so busy with having those interactions with the youth directing them to where they need to go and then at the end of the day you're like oh my god I did so much today now I have to document it and sometimes you're just exhausted so for me that would be one of the um my least favorite parts of of the job but you know it's just it's something that you gotta do you gotta document it as otherwise as as my bosses say if you don't write it down it didn't happen so (laughs) fuck that's that's real huh yeah so okay and i do i got i got several more questions so i do want to ask like what do you think are the challenges that the youth in san diego are facing because when i'm listening to your story and when i'm listening to the um the mission statement of your of your organization there's definitely layers to the problem you feel me though yes um Um, i got the first thing that comes to my mind is all right why did they drop out all right there's 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 a lot of layers there on what's happening at home. How come there's nobody yes. motivating at home? Well, why not? Why not? Why if there's if there's no parents there? Well, why? Why are there no parents there? Or so I just want to ask, like, what do you think are the top three challenges that our San Diego youth is facing? Because we're here, you know, like we're in this city, you know. Yeah. Well, a lot of times the parents are there, but they can't really be there because they're busy working too. So, um, you know, I would say one of the top reasons why the youth drop out is depression slash motivational issues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's bigger mental health things going on that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe the family doesn't know how to address. 
Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't know what resources are out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thankfully, as our job as case managers is to help them. My goal, number one, is always to get them to be stable first. Mm -hmm. And for me, that means making sure they have a roof over their head, that they're able Mm -hmm. to have food. You know, we help them apply for CalFresh, for housing if they need it. And then we can focus on getting them into school and, you know, finding employment. Sometimes it's finding employment first before I can get them back into school so that they can have an income. And, you know, then they can focus on the school part because if there's all these other things going on, of course, they're not going to do well in school and they won't be able to focus on that. So mm-hmm. number one is their mental health, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, one of the biggest barriers that we see is just the lack of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, I would say half, like half of them have no work experience. They've never worked. And then there's the other half that they've worked a lot, but to the point where it's a detriment because they change jobs so often. Like they won't stick around at a job for more than like three months or so. So they don't, I mean, they'll say like, oh, I have a lot of job experience, but there's not consistency there. And they don't realize that that can actually hurt them in in when an employer is looking at their resume. Um, and then the third thing I would say just transportation San Diego is so huge a lot of jobs are kind of in the northern San Diego even North County area and a lot of our youth well at least for my region I work in the city of San Diego um, you know they're, they're in like southeast San Diego and there's bus lines and there's like one trolley line that runs over there but there's nothing to really kind of make it easier for them to connect to I just wish there was more trolley lines or we had like a better subway system or something like that that can help them you know get to one part of the like really fast I just feel like we have a good system but i think it could be a lot better um we definitely need to make public transportation more accessible too because it's expensive it's 72 dollars for an adult bus pass every month that's a lot of money especially if you're working uh part-time um you know minimum wage that's that's a big chunk of your paycheck so you know i would say the mental health the work experience and transportation or, or access to transportation. Um, thank you for sharing. Um, what do you think is the effect of 2020 on your clients? Like, what has this pandemic done for the kids in the program? Like, you know, I, I, has this affected them in any way, dude? Like, definitely. Um, it definitely has. I yeah, mean, hell yeah. The first has. three months honestly all i was doing was like this crazy. wellness checks mm-hmm. like wellness checks mm-hmm. you know um like do you have food this week like do you not have food okay look there's gonna be food distributions you know in a b and c like make sure you can you know have a family tell your family to see if you guys can go and get it i mean we even had case managers going to the food distributions getting it and dropping it off at youth's home because some of these youth didn't have transportation and 
it was like in North County, you know, like the areas over there are more remote. It's not like you have buses just running everywhere. So, you know, even case managers were picking up food and dropping it off at, at our clients' um, homes. So we were just making sure that they were okay, that they weren't being evicted. We were, you know, directing them to apply for um, funding that was available so that um, low-income families could apply to rental assistance programs, basically. So that's what we were directing them to, um, helping them look for employment. Even though jobs were scarce, there were places that were still hiring. Um, miraculously so for those who needed to find employment we were trying to help them do that and then you know a lot of them the schools closed for three months almost so once the schools decided to reopen we were trying to you know make sure that the youth could easily transition back into school um but the schools you know the schools had to change their whole way of doing things as well and they had to have the youth reapply um it was just it's been it's been crazy um and then at the same time we're trying to keep them engaged right because a lot of them are just home going to school some of them are working um so now our workshops as well are no longer in person we're doing them online and remotely I do a lot of zoom meetings with my clients just helping them like helping them apply to FAFSA helping them, you Good know, apply to college. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's been overwhelming. Uh, it's no longer a nine to five job. <laughs> it's a, it's a now, nine to nine job, you know? It's now Some nine days. To, it's yeah. 10 to 10. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. Um, yeah. I, I, I forgot to ask you this. So let's, let's go back a little bit. So um, 2020, being a Hispanic brown woman, you know what I'm saying? Educated at that, giving back to the community, um has being like being a hispanic woman latina has that does that influence your stance in social work in any way and and i guess what i mean is how do you how do you practice the habit of of leaving out personal beliefs at the door and being able to match with your client's self-belief because 2020 is such a tense year you know so I just wonder, like, how does how do you do that? How do you practice that? Leaving your shit out the door and being a server for the community, you know? Right. Um, but one of the things that I do try to be mindful of mm-hmm. is what I call the pobrecito mentality. Like, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. for him, for mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Um, because I definitely know that these kids have the potential. Mm-hmm. They're really smart, mm-hmm. all of them, you know? they just have had they've been dealt with some serious issues that you know um you know not to give excuses or anything but they've had to prioritize other things so i always want to make sure that i'm not like victimizing them or like enabling um any behaviors that cause them to be dependent on me i'm always trying to push them to you know i will provide the information but i'm not going to do the work for them like they need to do it so i'm always mindful of that the other two uh, or the other point i should say is the politics i mean um we're not allowed to bring up politics 
But I think this day and age, you know, with all the movements going on, Black Lives Matter, our youth were definitely impacted by that. And, you know, I brought it up that we needed to have a space for them to just vent and talk about these issues. Who knows if we're the only people they can talk about uh, this to. So, you know, we had a few webinars online where we had the space open for youth to come in and talk about it. And, you know, they opened up, kids were breaking down. They were having, you know, um, when all this was, you know, at the like initial stage, I would say like in April, uh, May, Floyd and everything happened. Like it was raw you know the youth were going through it they say like walking in the street so having these spaces I think was was really important for them and then I I never push my politics but I definitely give them the space to vent to ask questions to bring up issues if they're curious about something you know we can definitely research it because it's not like these policies are not affecting their like everyday life. I mean, it definitely is. A lot of these students are, you know, part of certain programs that, you know, the current administration is trying to do away with. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it definitely affects them. And, you know, they're one of the first groups to be impacted. So we do, we do provide that that space for them to speak but like I said I never like push it um you know it's always I've always just they know that you know I'm pretty open basically so they they know they can come to me and talk about anything and what I will do sometimes is just make them ask questions like just question like why do you think that is or why how does that make you feel and why do you feel that way <laughs> yeah yeah, and, yeah you yeah. know those questions the critical thinking questions then then you know that gets them thinking about things differently looking at and so forth and so then those those ideas will come out of of them naturally but it's just providing that space for them to to to, to vent, have that to dialogue i think is is important yeah it's really important but yeah, I mean, you always, as a teacher too, you always have to try to keep your your biases, you know, to yourself um, it, and things like that. But it is important to just provide the space, the safe space for them to speak. And then you, you don't got to tell young people anything. Like they know, they see it, they live it, they perceive it, you know, everything that's going on around them. Oh, hell yeah. They Sometimes do. they don't have the vocabulary for it. Um, yeah. So you can you can provide that, you know, but, you know, having the space is important. Making them feel safe enough and confident enough to know that you like, you're not going to make fun of what they have to say. You're not going to put them down for thinking that way. Um, they need that every day. They, they need, need that. They vent. need that. Yeah. They need someone to vent to, and right. they need to feel safe. I think that alone, that service alone, right there, you know, yeah, like that. That's so. That's precious. You know. You can't really replace that. You know what I mean? Definitely. And talking about mental health issues and 
destigmatizing it, you know, and, and letting them know, like, hey, like, I go through it too, you know, like, life isn't easy for me either. Like, I have my challenges and, and making them realize, like, that we're all human, we're all struggling with things. You know, just because I'm a case manager and I'm college educated doesn't mean like, oh, life is all, you know, great. Um, you know, I have challenges too. Uh, you know, I'm not rich. So, so this is a, this is a perfect segue. Like, and by the way, ladies and gents, she's such a good, she's a good guest because um, <clears throat> I had my list of questions to ask her, right? But as she's talking, I love how she's checking off the boxes itself. But this is a perfect segue. Like, what what are the biggest challenges in this job and what are the biggest rewards because i know that you know we're in the business of serving people right right and even if we get paid for it meaning we make a living off it that's that's cool but we're still serving people for a living um we're handling people's lives in our hands, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know a tremendous amount of pressure comes with that. What are like some of the biggest challenges you face, but what are the biggest rewards that you receive in the end? Because there's a reward in the end, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, let me, whatever you want to answer first. Okay, I guess I'll talk about the challenges first. Mm -hmm. Obviously nonprofit work means no profit <laughs> for you, <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, I'm not complaining about my pay, but you know, it is nonprofit, so it's not very high. Luckily, um, my employers, you know, for what they can't make up in like wages, they definitely make up with benefits. They're super, you know, they make sure we have all our, they even pay for like therapy if we need it. So like, they know that this is a difficult <laughs> field to work in. Mm -hmm. They tell us, please take a mental health day, like once a month you guys need it go see a therapist if you're if you're feeling you know whatever which way um because they know that working in this field is tough um one mm -hmm. of the things that's also challenging is you have to keep your professional boundaries you know a lot of times the youth especially those who come from foster background tend to get attached to you um and you always you know like I've had kids tell me, oh, you're like my mom. And I have to be like, no, I'm your case manager. You know, like, I'm glad that you feel comfortable with me and you see me as like someone who guides you. And I mean, my job is to help you, but I'm not your mother. You know, I'm your case manager. There's a difference. I won't, um, love, you. I won't love you like your mother, but I got you. <laughs> right, right. And oh. mm -hmm. you have to also just watch yourself watch your mental health because uh, the things that these kids are going through is just insane sometimes and you're helping them get through it and you have to be careful with what in the mental health they call countertransference right where you're there's transference and countertransference so whether like their things that they're going through are triggering things in your past your trauma and then you also have to be mindful that you're not projecting your own things that you've gone through with this kid because they're very similar or they remind you of you. So they remind you of a young you or whatever. So you always have to be careful to not put your like assumptions onto them. And then you also have to be careful that whatever is going on in their life, you know, 
you just have to watch yourself because you can definitely be triggered um you know you can start going through depression because of you know the things that these kids are going through and what they're telling you that they're going through and and like you're trying to help them through it so we do go through a lot of of training we have a therapist on site that she comes in once a week to meet with the youth not for us i mean we could talk to her if we wanted to like i said part of our insurance we do we do have it covers our therapy but um, you guys you guys gotta but we have a therapist on site for the youth so like even that we're trying to provide that service for the youth if they feel comfortable and like i said that's a really difficult stigma of like let's go see a therapist it's really i mean it's hard for us as adults imagine the teens you know so yeah by the way, you, I'm so proud to announce, guys, that Emilio's the first social worker guest and the first female guest of the podcast. Man, make some noise, y'all! Yes, <laughs> I mean, uh, you're, you're thank you, thank you. You're definitely That's an honor. Oh, for real, because I really created this for social workers too, and mental health uh, practitioners, behavior therapists. You know, like I know that there's a lot of us who have this kind of job that are not speaking out. There's a lot of things that we hold inside, you know, when we deal with this this type of job. And like, thanks for sharing your story because I hope that this episode inspires others to share their experiences, you know, um, as a social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say the positives, of course, is seeing the growth mm-hmm. that your clients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know from mm-hmm, beginning mm-hmm. to end or even halfway through hell yeah and you, and you see that like when it clicks you know and they start doing things and they are more confident and they don't need you as much anymore you kind of start to miss them a little bit but it's it's okay because they're they're out there they're doing you know their own thing and it's time to transition them you know out of the program and so forth but i still check up with them you know even afterwards or they'll check in with me you know a year later a couple years later and it's just amazing to see the growth you know that they can you know from how they started and it has nothing to do with me it's definitely them and the effort that they put into it and the fact that they're willing to challenge themselves and and allow themselves to be vulnerable too and deal with the things that are holding them back their barriers and and you know confronting that and and you know achieving their goals so it, i would say that's the biggest reward for me it feels amazing to see the growth and like bad moments like that definitely keep you <laughs> like moments for like sure. that keep you in this field moments like that keep you alive in this field and moments like that definitely feel like you're you've been refueled huh like you're recharged For right sure. like when yes. you see some of the daily grind really starting to rub off and pay off right yeah yeah and i mean mm-hmm. at work we also try to highlight those youth we call them you know the success stories and because we need that we need to recharge our batteries like remember like oh my gosh this kid that's been doing the same thing for the last six months you know suddenly like something just clicks you know finally they're tired of doing the same thing for six months and now they're ready to try something different and they do it and then they like it you know um and they start they keep going and they keep meeting their goals and suddenly it's like wow you completely turned your life around you know or you're like before you couldn't 
you know, focus on school. Now you only have five credits left to graduate. Like, this is amazing. So, um, yeah, it definitely recharges you. It keeps you going back, you know, because it is, it is a difficult job and it is very draining emotionally. Hell yeah. Um, physically, mentally. So, um, that's that that definitely keeps you going back because you can see the growth you can see the change and you're like okay like this is this is rewarding even though you know the pay may not be all that great but you know that you helping the community in some way and so that's what keeps you going back and this is why i respect people so much in their field like we know we didn't come into this for the money we knew Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. now we know that but there's something about people like us that has the capacity and the emotional intelligence to do this type of job. It's not for everybody. You feel me, though? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did want to ask you, right? So a couple more questions. And I know you're busy. You know, I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, what are, as far as self-care and self-boundaries, what are the top three things that you know you're working on right now that you can improve at? Like, for example, can you do better? Can you do a better job at saying no? Like, what can you improve at as far as yourself, as far as like setting boundaries, you know, that you're currently working on right now? Um, well, I mean, I've been doing this work for four years now, so I've had yeah. a fair amount of time to work on a lot of those things. In the beginning, I would just go out of my way to do a lot for you um and i had to remember like you know what you can't overextend yourself because you have such a large caseload. there's so many youth that need your help like because there's kids who will demand you know the majority of your attention mm-hmm. and you have to balance it out and you have to push them to do a lot more independently a lot of times like i said it's it's those foster um previously foster youth you know because they need they're looking for that sense of family and and sometimes you're the only adult figure who's giving them direction in life so um they will attach themselves so definitely just being mindful of of what outcomes do you want right what expect what do you expect for these youth you know what are your expectations and then what outcomes do you want and just making sure that you know you maintain those professional boundaries um and then definitely um exercising in some way shape or form i like to go to uh for walks at balboa park or the beach um and even some of our coworkers, we've organized hikes so we'd go hiking to like tori you know before the pandemic obviously we organized walks to Torrey Pines, to Cows Mountain, um, and so forth, just for our mental health. We would, you know, support each other. Um, we sometimes do mixed fit. Um, one of um, the previous case managers, she's not a case manager there anymore, but she teaches a mixed fit class, which is like a hip hop boot camp kind of cardio class. Mm-hmm. And so some of us, the case managers, will go to her classes occasionally as a group and just and do that, um, you know, and it, it feels good to do some type of physical activity to get rid of, of that stress. Nice. A couple more things. All right. So how do how do how are clients referred to you guys or how do you guys find the clients to work with? 
um again like i said a lot of it is through community partnerships so we have a person whose job is really just to go out into the community and make those connections um and just to make ourselves our presence like known out you know out in various communities and then once they find out what we do what we offer they will start to refer their own clients to us or maybe it's a family member um a lot of my clients will tell other friends or other cousins of theirs or so forth you know about our program and so they will refer you know more clients to us mm -hmm. um there are some schools that you know we have partnerships with so while the youth are you know sometimes um in the process of applying to the school they haven't finished you know um applying or maybe they're thinking about applying and they haven't you know they haven't applied to the school yet basically um you know the teacher or maybe they had a student who dropped out and the teachers themselves will sometimes contact me and say hey i just had this student withdraw like can you please follow up with them like i think they would benefit from your program you know they need guidance they need help and so so you know i'll follow up with that with that youth and you know help them figure out if our program is a good fit for them and if it is then just helping them figure out well what do you want to do do you maybe want to do the gd and not do school um or maybe you need a school that has more structure not so much you know independent studies um there are schools out there there's programs that provide both the school yeah and the work experience and you know that's a little bit more structured for like they go into work three four days out of the week and then one or two other days they're going to school so if they need something like that that's different than traditional school you know those options are there and so that's what we basically try to help the youth figure out like what kind of um environment would be best for them um because not every you know the traditional school setting sometimes it's not it's not the best for them they don't feel as supported um so but like i said a lot of it is just word of mouth like a lot of other youth refer uh more youth um or teachers you know, will refer their students who've withdrawn um some of the high schools the counselors when they know that students have dropped out they will tell the students about our program so that they can come and sign up for our program we basically help them make a plan and then help them re-enroll into school whether it's that school or another school um and yeah mostly the the other orgs that are out in the community nice so um emilia what are the top three things you're taking away from 2020 like what have you learned about yourself what what are you taking away from this crazy ass year i, I asked all my guests this you know what are you taking away from this year, dude? You know, anything um, you learned about yourself, about life, about your career? Um, I think I definitely find that I do want to stay in, you know, social work or helping, you know, the community. Hell yeah. I think I had been questioning a couple years, last year even, questioning what I wanted to do. I'm like, do I want to stay in this field? Do I want to move on to something else? You know, um, maybe something that pays a little more. But, um, you know, I really do 
do enjoy, you know, this job and and you know, I think I'm going to stay for a little bit longer, you know, if I can. Um one of the other things I've been really focused on is paying off my debt, you know, um part of my adulting goals so then I can start, you know, saving for a home of my own hopefully. Um or even if it's just to travel. So you know, I've been able to do that um in this last year or so and Good with job. the pandemic, you know, it's definitely made it easier to not go out and spend. So, <laughs> you know, I've been careful <laughs> about staying away from my favorite websites and and not doing a lot of online shopping and I I realized <laughs> I realized that a lot of my like shopping i you know when i was feeling sad or like just stressed out retail therapy yes i would go out and shop but and did it help like, did, it, did it make you feel happier though like did it help even short I term mean, in that moment yes <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> you get this like high like you get this like ooh this excitement you know as you're looking for whatever it is that you're looking for but what do you like um, to shop for india um <laughs> most okay so i love going to tj max word and word. looking for um good brands of like skincare shampoos and things mm-hmm. a lot of it korean stuff that most people don't even know they don't recognize the brand and therefore they ignore it but they're actually really good quality like ingredients so i would go in i would buy those things um really good quality soaps um and so forth so i don't know clothes at target but you know i've been good about that i'm i'm serious about budgeting my my money now and, and paying off all my debts i just i want to be debt free next year and you know i'm getting there you got this girl i believe in you yeah <clears throat> so before we get off right so um what How can people find your organization? Is there a website that they can reach you guys at if they know a disadvantaged teen that needs services? How can they reach you? Where can they find more information? Definitely. Um they can contact us um on our website is our contact email and phone number they can call. Um but our website is www.access2jobs.org. So I'm going to spell that out. Mm-hmm. It's www.a c c e s s number 2 mm-hmm. j o b s dot o r g is there an email where they can reach you at yes um or it's called, my 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 last name is really long but i'll go ahead and I'll spell it okay it's e for emilia and then villagrana v i l l a g r a n a So it's e v i l l a g r a n a at access number two jobs dot org. Okay, cool. Now, thank you so much for being um, generous with the information. And as far as like social media, do you want to plug your Instagram or just in case if they want to find you? So, is there a Facebook page for access to jobs? Yeah. There's a Facebook page and we have an Instagram. Um so just look up Access Inc. um San Diego. You should be able to find us there. That's on, face- our- on Facebook. Uh-huh. What's the Facebook? Um, what's what's the Facebook page? It's Access uh I think it's just Access Inc. You can just search 
Access Inc. San Diego and you can find us there. There's also the Micro Enterprise Program has a page on there. So if you want to do the small business program, they're on there. Um, and then both are on Instagram. We're working on getting our TikTok account because we gotta <laughs> keep up with the times. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the I, what's the IG page? Um, I oh, hold on. Let me check. <laughs> I don't know it. It's all good, Mama. It's, it's funny because a lot of the youth, they're like, "Oh my gosh, are you gonna post my picture on there?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but are your friends following us on Instagram? I don't know." <laughs> it's mostly um, brigs and such, but um, yeah, it's just access dot ink at access dot on- ink. Mm-hmm. On, on Instagram. Instagram. And when you say ink, yeah. INK or INC? INC. So it's access.inc. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for for plugging everything in. Um, wow, you've been such a great guest. And um, I hope you feel good about sharing your story and sharing your experiences in this field, you know? Of course. I mean, one of the things, like I said, is we want to give back to the community I want more people to know about our program Hell so yeah. we can help, you know, help as many youth as possible in San Diego. Um, you know, if there's more demand, then we can get more case managers and, and help out and create more programs. So, you know, we're a really <laughs> passionate organization. We have a lot of more projects, you know, in the works to help out various groups in the community. Um, One of the things I forgot to mention um, before the pandemic, we were also doing English classes for people in the community. We were doing, um, we had a partnership with the um, Secretary of Education in Mexico so that uh, Mexican immigrants could finish their elementary school education middle school and then they would help them get their ged which was big because a lot of you know immigrant parents like sometimes they don't even get to finish elementary school because they have to work to help out their families so you know we we were providing that service as well um so yeah i mean definitely please help us spread the word we want to help out and any which way that we can and i would like to get hip-hop involved and that's exactly why i started the podcast too you know i want to i want to deliver this information for to my peoples you know get the artists involved in any way hip-hop the hip-hop community can help out the youth i'm always down for that let me know you know uh work workshops that we can do with the kids or songwriting workshops something we've had um, you know We've had an organization called Urban Beats mm-hmm. come and work with a, with our youth before mm-hmm. too and do workshops. So I mean, I, if you want to do it, let us know and we can we can organize something. Yeah, for sure. And like you know, if maybe some people are trying to learn um, audio engineering, maybe people are trying mm-hmm. to learn how to um, how to mix down songs or how to write rhymes, and or people kind of want to have an itch to perform, but they don't even they're too shy or they need some reassurance you know uh, i'm totally down to help out and build self-esteem for the kids who want to be rap rap performers or rap artists you know we have a few that do want to do that Woo! so for sure i'll take your word for it all right so yo i'm gonna talk to you about that off record all right so we all right uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna text you at your work cell but emilia thank you so much wow i i got I got more content than I deserve. I thought, I, I wasn't sure what type of interview. I thought you were going to maybe hold back, but man, 
you were definitely vulnerable and and like kept it real with the listeners thank you so much i appreciate you you know we're at 71 minutes i can keep going but i know it's 71 minutes you know i don't want to take too much time. like i know this can hopefully we can do a part two where we can talk about some of the progress of um before this year ends hopefully we can talk about how the year's closing out for access okay you know what i'm saying any good news any anything that we can plug in by the end of the year hopefully we can do a part two and talk about more like maybe we can have another topic like what are we doing for self-boundaries self-care what is right. that are we taking care of ourselves what does it look like are we mm-hmm. even doing that what's the mm-hmm. benefits of doing that what's the mm-hmm. disadvantages of not doing that and i think i i because you know winter time's coming up i think the more people get depressed around this time so hopefully right. we can we can check in with each other a check in you know what i'm saying yeah, you gotta go out in the sun and get some of that vitamin D because we we're you know especially San Diego, we're used to the sunshine and when it's not around, yeah, we feel it. Hey, guess what though? <laughs> when this episode comes out, I'm gonna definitely send it to Francisco. I want Francisco to hear this interview, and hopefully it can it can like encourage him to do the interview for me too because I think his story too, growing up in the hood, oh yeah, becoming a doctor, I think. Yes. I think Francisco's story is so inspiring and people, he's a remarkable person. People yeah. people need to hear it, especially for us brown melanated folks out here. At the end of the day, yes. it's like, you know, uh, as a Filipino American, uh Hispanic, Mexican American, we grew up out here. Um, we need more examples like that. We need more examples. I think I think it's inspiring for the kids to see somebody that came from the same place. And they made it out. And and the key word is they made it out and stayed out. But there's nothing wrong in visiting and giving back to the hood, you know? Right. You know what I'm saying? But um, thank you so much. Hope we keep in touch. And ladies and gents, Empty Podcast Episode 9. Thank you for tuning in. Much love, y'all. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye. Peace.